With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? We are finally here. NFL Draft 2021. The week has started. It is going to be Smoke City over the next couple of days. And we got our first uh, bellow today. uh, As Ryan just put up a story, Uh, you can check it out over at Syracuse.com, NewYorkUpstate.com. Tom McShay on a podcast thinks that the the bill or reported the bills have been calling around to teams about trading up uh, specifically with Travis Etienne in mind. And we're going to react to all that. We're going to break that down, talk talk about the potential option of doing that uh, and just what that could mean uh, as we get closer and the, the hype around ETN to the Bills grows because Peter King obviously had him in his mock draft uh, today uh, that released over on Pro Football Talk. So we'll get into all that. This is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast. Uh, joined as always by Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino and Ryan been a busy boy. Uh, you took uh, all of Sunday to get your mock draft ready. You got it out here, and we got some uh, some big news to react to. How are you, my friend? Hey, I'm doing great. Yeah, uh, like you said, it's smokescreen season, but it's hard to ignore the fact that the Bills have been linked to Travis Etienne quite a bit lately. Mm-hmm. A lot of draft analysts are slotting him to the Bills, whether it's at pick 30 or, as Todd McShay reported, uh, Bill's trying to look up Leapfrog, the New York Jets, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Pittsburgh Steelers, all teams that could potentially uh, select a running back in the early 20s so they can get their guy. Uh, you know, I, I don't know your feelings on it, and we can always break this down, obviously, the trading up version of it, just Travis Etienne on, on his own. I was getting more and more sold personally on the idea of Etienne based on something that Brandon Bean said last week on the radio with Adam Shine. He said there are still running backs in this league that he would take in the first round. He listed Christian McCaffrey, a running back he actually did take in the first round. Uh, His final draft with the Carolina Panthers, he he played a role in drafting Christian McCaffrey there in the top five. Uh, He said Delvin Cook, and he said Elvin Kamara. He said those are like the types of backs that I would draft in the first round because they're multidimensional is the term that he used. And there was this one report today, again, that linked Buffalo to ETN. It was uh, Albert Breer and SI.com. And he said a lot of the comps for ETN is Elvin Kamara, one of those three running backs that Bean specifically said is the type of back you would still draft in the first round. Right. I was just looking at some comments here. <laughs> Somebody had the, the monkey uh, hands over the eyes emoji and yeah. said this was me after the news broke today. Uh, so, yeah, Apex Devil Zero on YouTube. Funny stuff, my friend. Um, I want to get into, you know, what 
Travis Etienne can mean for this offense and, and zero on in on him. But let's kind of take this piece by piece with this report because, you know, like you mentioned, this is smoke season. Uh, I think that we're going to see a couple of things over the course of the week. And the one thing that I, I'll say at the top here that I'm, I'm hesitant to go all in on this news um, about is the fact that the report says from McShay that the Bills are looking to trade up, which is fine in and of itself. That part of the report is fine. That could, If they're making calls, I, I don't think that that's something that necessarily the Bills could stop from getting out of their building. If Brandon Bean, if Joe Shane, if they're making calls around the league about other picks, that makes, that makes sense that that would somehow find a way to get reported, especially by a guy, you know, like Todd McShay, who's pretty connected, um, knows a lot of people. I'm not surprised about that. The part of it that surprises me is that Bean would make his um, intentions known that it was for a running back. And also like we're far out from the draft right now. I mean, we're still a couple days away, you know, San Francisco, if you notice today, I mean, I saw it plastered mm-hmm. all over ESPN, Adam Schefter reporting that there's still some uncertainty within the organization. And maybe that's smoke too. Who knows? But if there's uncertainty about that pick, just imagine being the San Francisco 49ers right now, having maybe jumped the gun, given up draft capital to move up to number three. And now what if you could have stayed at six or uh, wherever they were and still gotten the, the pick that you were looking to get? I was thinking of the Miami Dolphins trade. So, I just think there's so much kind of stuff that's going to kind of going to get thrown around this week. But the truth of the matter is when it comes to this, this bean and Etienne story, I have a hard time believing that that part of the the report at the very least would be on the money. And I think that's a fair, uh, that's a fair point that you're making because why are they going to call around and say, listen, we're trying to get into the, you know, 2021 range. Um, They can do that. That can get out there. But why on earth would they be sitting there saying it's for Travis Etienne? Now, Todd McShay could have speculated it was for him, but he said, matter-of-factly, the Bills are saying it is for Travis Etienne. That makes me a little skeptical, too. Uh, Brandon Bean's aggressive. We know that. He traded up for Josh Allen. He traded up for Tremaine Edmonds. He traded for Cox. He tried to trade up last year for Zach Moss, another running back, and he wasn't able to, and he was still able to get him to fall into his lap. So, Brandon Bean trading up, you and I, I don't think we'd be shocked by that whatsoever. The fact that he would make his intentions known, as you stated, is what would be surprising. Maybe that's the smokescreen. Maybe he's saying it's for Travis Etienne. He's trying to get in position to take the top edge rusher. Maybe he wants to quitty pay or someone that he has really high. I I don't know. Uh, But like you said, it's smokescreen season. That, though, caught me off guard that McShay came out and said they're trying to get up there specifically for Travis Etienne. Time will tell. Brandon Bean's aggressive, uh, but I'd be a little surprised with that as well. You know, getting up, trading up into the first round for a running back is a bold move. Um, You don't see it happen too often, especially, you know, for a guy like Brandon Bean who loves to play his board. Should let's, let's just play out the scenario that this say this happens, right? Say the Bills do trade up, say they do take a running back. Maybe it's not even ETM. Maybe they go for Najee Harris, whoever the, the case may be. I was on a podcast today uh, with uh, Pat Moran over on the Talking Buffalo pod, and we were talking about this a little bit. And I think that that will tell you so much about how the Bills view their offense and their team. You know, there's there's needs on the defensive side of the ball. To move up 
in the draft to get a running back of all positions will really tell you that maybe the smoke here was Brandon Bean talking about, you know, still believing in Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. Listen, if they take one of these top guys, there's there's at the very least some concern about the long-term viability of one or both of those backs. Because if you spend that kind of draft capital and you've had Devin Singletary in your building for two years, Zach Moss in your building for a year, you know a lot about both of those players. So if you're, I get the idea of upgrading. And if you see one of these guys as a, a significant upgrade, and listen, if you take them in the first round, those were both third round picks. It makes sense. Um, but this, to me, that will tell you that they feel that they're maybe that one weapon away on offense from being a real problem and, and maybe being able to, you know, keep up with the likes of the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, it's just, it's just hard to digest because when you went back and, and you watched that AFC Championship game, you know, the, the Bills put up 24 points, which obviously wasn't enough to defeat the Chiefs that day. But they were one of the most, the highest scoring offenses in the league last year. They were moving the ball up and down the field with a below average or average running game at best. So, you know, does ETN really move you up that much compared to where you were offensively? Does he make up for the fact that you could not generate a pass rush to save your life last year to get after the quarterback? Does he uh, alleviate the fact that you still have questions at cornerback number two? That's a lot to ask for a running back. And if you're going to end, hypothetically, if you're trading up for him, you're most likely losing one of those day two picks. And I, uh, I, I'm thinking second round, obviously, to do that. So there goes a cornerback option or another edge rusher option or even an offensive lineman, interior defensive lineman, whatever the case may be. You're sacrificing a lot to get one piece on an offense that was already firing on all cylinders one year ago. And on paper, maybe even better with the uh, signing of Emmanuel Sanders with another year of the other players returning to the system, an offseason with Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen getting to actually play together a little bit more. Their chemistry is already apparent, but it'll only get better with more and more time. So I don't know if ETN alone takes him to that step, that Super Bowl caliber step, especially when we're talking about trading up for him. If he lands in their laps at 30, by all means, take him. Then you have your day two picks to address other pressing needs that you think you're gonna you're gonna be giving away some uh high capital if you're gonna move from 30 to 22 or into those early 20s yeah i'm just like you know looking at a conversation happening in the chat here and jm over on youtube says you know stop overthinking things you're never going to stop patrick mahomes with the offensive line they put together now your best bet is to keep your own defense off the field Etienne uh, accomplishes that all right so a couple things here because i think that that if you've listened to this pod podcast regularly, we've discussed this at length. And I think both Ryan and I are in the camp of improve your offense as much as you can, because you're right. As much as you improve your defense, I kind of agree with JM here that I think it might be at times, you know, your best laid plans against Patrick Mahomes usually are going to be foiled in some way. Pat uh, Patrick Moran asked me about my thoughts on the Bills offseason to this point. I said they were feeling a lot better until that Orlando Brown trade. I mean, he is a difference maker type of player. And, and so I think that now you look at you're going to have to outscore Kansas City. You're going to have to outscore him anyway. But I think addressing somewhere on the offense where you can make improvements. And if you think that that's Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, Elijah Moore, who I think, you know, I'm going to have a hard time if, 
if the scenario doesn't play out a, a, the right kind of way and I stay at 30 in my final mock draft, not taking Elijah Moore, the more and more I watch of him, because I think you just want to pile as many weapons as you can in, in, in Josh Allen's, um, you know, uh, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for is uh, his toolbox here. Just get him as many weapons as Arsenal. There you go. And so I, I agree with that point to a degree, but then obviously Apex comes back in the in the comments here and says, you know, ETN's not even the best back in this draft. And I think that that's a, a, a certainly a conversation that could be had. Yeah, and it is. And uh, he he raises a good point. You know, jo- Joe Thune, he is legit. He is as good as they come at guard. Uh, Orlando Brown, I'm not. I want to see him extended play at left tackle. I know that he he felt like that's where he should be. He, he did well in that role uh, when called upon last year in Baltimore. But at the same time, you know, I can understand why the Ravens were hesitant to give him twenty. You know, a big big contract and trade him away. Uh, we'll see what the Chiefs do with this one year. You'd like to think that when they traded for him, they're also going to try to extend him here sooner rather than later. But if they let him walk after one year, that's a whole nother deal too. But, yeah, the Bills need to be able to outscore the Chiefs. They need to be able to slow down the Chiefs as well. And maybe an edge rusher at 30, maybe a cornerback at 30 doesn't accomplish that job of slowing down the Chiefs' offense, whereas an Elijah Moore or a Travis Etienne or a Najee Harris, these players that uh, we keep bringing up, maybe they do close the gap a little bit more than a player on the other side of the ball. Something else I want to get into this week as we move along the week is just this idea of – What's the capital that Brandon Bean covets sitting here three days before the 2021 draft? Is it more picks in this draft or is it more picks in maybe next year's draft? Because I've been sitting back thinking about this, Ryan, like there's so many question marks with this, um, uh, all the lack of medical information, Brandon B or I, I can't remember who said it now. It might've been somebody on a podcast. We've listened to so much stuff over the last week or two where, you know, most of the time boards sit at about 125 players. I, I think I heard this on a podcast this year, general managers around the league, the consensus is they're upping it by like 50 players because listen, there's, there's tons of players available, but usually, you know, teams draft boards are very specific. And you think about that, like there's so many more options. There's so much less information available. If Brandon Bean can trade back, for instance, with that 30th pick, Say this is a smokescreen and he's more looking to move back to get, to pick up a day two pick, an additional day two pick in this draft, and maybe another day two pick in next year's draft, where then he's got some more capital to maybe move up for a, a really nice piece in a draft where he feels more comfortable pulling the trigger. Just some thoughts. I don't know. No, I agree completely. I Brandon being any GM in this league, if I'm trading back, I'm looking to get 2022 picks. Uh, like you said, there's the a medical issue. You're, you're not getting the full reports. You, there's questions to be had there. Um, you know, you could you could end up getting a gem in the mid rounds because someone falls, but you don't want to take those players in round one. Where if you had everything, if you had all the answers that you would need in place, you might have been more comfortable doing that. Next year, there's going to be more prospects. There's going to be it's going to be a deeper draft pool in those middle rounds where you can get a lot of talent. Uh, in addition to that. Also, in a way, rolling the dice on some of these players that opted out in 2020. They missed an entire year of football. Yes, they were training with with someone, getting ready for the NFL, getting ready for the draft. It's not the same thing. It's a little bit different than that. So there's a lot of risks in this year's draft class. I think a lot of teams that have historically drafted well uh, 
could struggle this year just because of the fact that there's all these question marks days away from the draft. All right, our, our good buddy Elliot Eisler over on YouTube. Smash that like button if you're here. Like the video. Uh, hit hit that subscription button as well if you're if you're new to the page. We're gonna have a ton of content. I'm heading out to Cleveland on Wednesday. Our live Wednesday show will be. Uh, I'll be via satellite, so Ryan will be uh, running the show here uh, on Wednesday show. We're excited about it, and then we'll have obviously coverage from Cleveland on Thursday. I'll be back in Buffalo on Friday um, as we kind of lock into day two and day three. Uh, be a little bit more. Uh, mobile more versatile in, in those uh, those final two games days uh, of the draft all right let's get on here to your mock draft your final seven round mock draft released this morning you uh were working on that all weekend i'm going to turn the floor over to you kind of take us through it and as we go i'll, I'll, I'll add in my own commentary and maybe some uh counterpoints if, if, if any come up yeah, absolutely. So I tried something a little bit different here with my fi final mock draft, and I looked at quotes mostly from Brandon Bean, one thrown in there from Sean McDermott, from the end of the 2020 season until now, just looking for any hints or, or uh, any clues that they may have dropped about potential players that they were looking at. In rounds one and two, I looked at what Brendan Bean said last week. We're thinking more long-term than short-term. Now, he was specifically addressing pick 30 there. Uh, but I think it kind of worked out with both picks. So at pick uh, round one, pick 30, I had the Bills selecting Joe Tryon, uh, defensive end Washington. One of those players that I was just alluding opted out last season, had some questions about how much football was going to be played within the conference, had some COVID questions. Uh, by the time he, was, he wanted to come back, he said he had already paid for training, done this, done that, and it was too late. So he missed all of last season was really emerging as a sophomore. He had eight sacks. Uh, um, I can't remember how many. I wanted half tackles for loss. And the one thing that really stood out to me when I was comparing him with a possible Greg Rousseau uh, was the fact that at his pro day, he looked explosive. He was one of the – he had really athletic times across the board. His relative athletic score uh, that a Twitter user called the Math Bomb put together was off the charts. Fits the prototype, height, weight, so to speak, to what the Bills look for as well in a defensive end. Yeah, I think at this point, like I would say about a month ago, we were sitting here, you know, thumbing through mock drafts and, you know, trial was going like middle of the second round in drafts. And all of a sudden, this like last like uh, sprint to the finish line, his draft stock seems to be soaring. And who knows, maybe... You know, in NFL circles, it never was as low as maybe some of the, you know, experts thought it to be. But I like his versatility. I like his scheme fist fit. I feel like he's another guy that you can kind of plug and play a la an AJ Epinesa or what I believe they thought AJ Epinesa would be. I know that there were some weight issues and it took him some time to kind of get his body right uh, after coming to camp a little bit uh, even lower than he thought uh, he, or they thought he'd be. Uh, but I like the pick. I, I, I would say, though. If you go edge rusher with your first pick in this in this draft and it ends up being whatever the case may be, fifth, sixth best edge rusher off the board, what however that ends up being in a in an edge rusher class that, you know, really isn't strong. And there may be another cornerback that that I think, you know, might be higher in the, in the eyes of, you know, not not only fans but experts, I think it might be a little bit puzzling. I think the most important thing is it's got to be a guy that they have a plan for. I think sometimes you get yourself into a scenario where 
AJ Epinesa was almost too good to pass up last year, right? At 54, the value was absolutely unbelievable. I don't think that they even thought that, you know, he'd be in the mix as they got into day two and started to really look into it and, and, and realize that he was falling. But I think the the lack of a plan sometimes gets you in trouble. So if it's try on, I want to know that they, they had try on on their board. They have a specific plan for how they're going to get him on the field this year and develop him and make him into a first round quality edge rusher because, you know, they've taken two defensive linemen under, under Brandon Bean and, you know, Ed Oliver, huge year coming up for him. We'll see, you know, how things material materialize there. I know AJ Epinesa was a second round pick, but I think the next one that you, you take, you want to really hit on if it's a day one or, you know, even a day two pick. And so Tryon's got to be that guy for me to, in two years say, you know, that was a good pick. Yeah, and, and that's definitely fair. And again, it came down to long-term thinking. Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison, final year of their contracts, both over 30. Epinesa, the only one you probably feel comfortable saying, will definitely be here the following season. Uh, and F.A. Obata could obviously be in the mix as well. I know he's 29, but, the, you know, there, there's still a lot of wear and tear on the tires, so to speak, because he didn't start playing football until he was in his 20s. So round two, I shifted over to the other side of the line. I went to the offensive line. And and cornerback was intriguing here as well as it was in round three looking at different options. But I was thinking, okay, if I'm looking at this offensive line, it struggled a little bit. Uh, I need to start thinking about who's next in line after Mitch Morris because I want the rest of my line to stay pretty settled. I don't want John Feliciano to have to keep moving from center to guard He's, if Mitch Morris gets injured, if he suffers another concussion. So I went with Quinn Meaners of Wisconsin Whitewater, another player whose draft stock is rising, uh, more than held the zone at the Senior Bowl, is one of the best players at the Senior Bowl, despite coming out of a small school. Mitch Morris is in a situation where even after they reworked his deal this past season, you can cut him at the end of this year, uh, be left with over $7 million in savings and only about three, a little less than $3.5 million in dead cap. I know that he, when he's healthy, he is still a very good center. It's just a matter of how many more injuries, how many more concussions can this guy take. He missed all of the season in his first year with Buffalo. He suffered a concussion last year against the Patriots, missed some time. There's that weird game where he was active against the Cardinals, but they didn't play him. They were trying to give him some extra rest. They wouldn't make him inactive. Uh, kind of bizarre. So, there's questions there. I think that finding a center that you can, one, start this year if Mitch Morris went down, but two, have someone that's waiting in the wings that's had a year in the system uh, to then start in 2022 for sure kind of made a lot of sense there. Yeah, I love the I, I love this pick. I, I love the versatility that he brings. The only concern I'd have is in a lot of the mock draft exercises, it seems that if you don't go corner at 61 and you stay at 93, I feel like there's going to be a drop off. And maybe, you know, maybe the Bills are aren't going into this draft saying we need a cornerback in in on day one or day two. You know, that could be the case. And you know, it's true best player available for those first three picks. But I just keep going back to this. And what makes me think that you know a cornerback's in play at 30 for sure, but at the very least at 61 is because Tredavious White went at 27 in 2017 and they haven't drafted a cornerback on day one or day two since. And I just think that that's a position that where I don't think that they're, you know, 
necessarily keeping track of something like that specifically. Like, ah, it's been four years. We got to draft one. I do think it's something where you want to kind of continue to replenish some of these positions, you know, high up in the draft when you can, when you see an, a, a, a place to strike. And if you go edge rusher at 30, I think that you're going to have probably a couple of really nice options in play there at 61. But uh, I, you really can't argue with the with the selection itself of Miners, who, you know, is an absolute animal, had a huge senior bowl. I think that, that could play into the pick as well. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you there. I like it. Yeah, you can go both ways. And listen, I was trying my hardest, and I probably should have done a trade-down scenario, uh, to get Paulson Adebo. He's a corner, but he's one of my guys in this draft. The cornerback out of Stanford that I really like. It didn't work out. Round three, in some of the mock drafts that I ran, he was available. Others, he went before that. So it was really tough. But round three, I went with tight end, which was probably the most controversial pick. That was the pick that I know a lot of Bills fans, when I was uh, having a conversation with them, Today, they said, yeah, I would have gone cornerback here. And I understand that completely. I went with Tommy Tremble of Notre Dame. I think when all is said and done, Tommy Tremble will be the tight end number two in this class a few years from now. Obviously, he, he's not Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is, is going to be in his own, a league of his own. In, if he really plays up to his athleticism, up to his level. But I think tight end two, Tommy Tremble can be that guy. He's already one of the best blocking tight ends in the class, something that you did, uh, you are missing out on a little bit after trading away Lee Smith. He also has all the makings of being a really good pass catcher in this league, of being a really good all-around tight end. And I know it's hard, the patience, the fact that the Bills really target their wide receivers, the personnel that they run. But if they had more consistent tight end play, who's to say that they wouldn't switch around the personnel a little bit more? If Dawson Knox, uh, if he played more like those those flashes that we see of him more consistently, I think that he'd be more involved in the offense. If Jacob Hollister comes in and shows that he has that chemistry with Josh Allen, they're going to find ways to get him on the field more. And I think that Tommy Tremble can be that player where maybe not 2021, and I know you want to defeat the Chiefs sooner rather than later in these other teams. I think that just the value alone there is what eventually led me to Tremble over a pulse and a Debo. And some of these other players, other positions that were available. Yeah, for whatever reason, we we, we get very bad internet luck on these uh, during the afternoon. Yeah, during the afternoon shows, I think it's just part of like, I don't know, like uh, you know, people are are on it at this hour. Or I, I don't know, but yeah, apologies for that. Stick with us. A lot of good stuff coming from Ryan out of this mock draft. Um, and usually we don't run into this problem because they're they're later episodes. Um. Yeah, so hit us with uh, the fifth round pick. Cause, and also, I guess this is a good kind of place to ask you, no trades in this in this mock. What, what was the kind of feeling there? Yeah, um, I just have trouble trying to figure out the, the value of trading down. Who would be trading trying to trade up? I actually had a round one trade mixed in here originally. It was going to be the Falcons moving in into that pick 30 to address the quarterback position after they took Pitts at number four. They could come back in their quarterback of the future because Matt Ryan is under contract for the next two years, but you could still get that rookie at the end of round one, uh, making it work though, for both parties, trying to figure out what, how the trade would work exactly. I just kind of said, all right, I'm just going to leave that alone. Brandon Bean, though, you know, he's obviously open for business. I could see him trading. I just kind of stayed away from that. So round five, two picks for Buffalo. Here's where I go with wide receiver. And I go with maybe the fastest wide receiver in this draft class, and Anthony Schwartz of Auburn ran a 4-2-6, I believe, 40. 
yard dash, uh, just blazing speed. Maybe that element that they're missing can be that gadget guy, can be a really good uh, slot receiver if you can develop him. But uh, just out of the gate, you can run some four or five wide receiver sets, get him on the field, and just let him stretch the field because he can outrun you. He is a track and field guy. He was, you know, Gatorade track of the year, whatever the award is in 2018. He has that blazing, blazing speed. And then I went on the other side of the ball, defensive line, Tonga, uh, Kairis Tonga, I believe is how you say it. Uh, Nose tackle, a little versatility there, but more of a run stuffer, really kind of plays a little bit of a mean streak. Looks like someone that uh, hasn't even necessarily learned all the nuances of the game yet. And when he does, he's going to be even better. But just a pure run stuffer, someone that can be that heir apparent to start Latulalei. I like it. Uh, and then you, in the sixth round, you do address the cornerback. And this is a guy that I think a lot of Bills fans, I had him in my uh, original mock draft uh, from a couple weeks ago, uh, Darren Hall, cornerback out of San Diego State. Uh, you have him waiting until the sixth round to address the position again. But And I know that there, some Bills fans might sit here and look at this and be like, oh, man, I would have liked the cornerback earlier. I get that. But I do think that there is this innate confidence in that building in their ability to develop secondary players. And when you have that, you know, you look for talent, you look for value at certain picks. And, you know, this is a guy that depending, I mean, if he falls to the sixth round, I think that that would be real good value. You liked him here. Yeah. Uh, Darren Hall, Hall, Bills have met with twice, even has a little versatility. Some teams have talked to him about playing a safety role, uh, playing a few different roles for a team, but I'm looking at him at cornerback. I think he has the athleticism, the size, someone that you can develop. I uh, used the quote from Brandon Bean where he was kind of talking up Dane Jackson on that PFF podcast with Chris Collinsworth and Richard Sherman talking about how they, he thinks they might have something there. You still bring in some competition. You still have Levi Wallace coming back to push him this year. And post-draft, there are some good cornerbacks still available that if the Bills strike out in the early rounds or they just don't get that target that they want, you can go and add one of these veterans. They were looking at a veteran just a few weeks ago uh, that ultimately resigned with the Colts. So that's still in play as well. Adam Jelani, fix that clock. I'm going to keep it on 5 o'clock because every time you're watching the Shout Bills football podcast, it is the happy hour, my friend. So I'm going to keep it right there at 5 o'clock. And if I turn it on, it turns on the light and it screws up the videos. I don't know. Whatever. It's just a cool clock that I got. It says Prino Sports Bar on it. So I, I got to put it in the shot. All right, uh, seventh round draft pick. The Bills go with Jacoby Stevens, linebacker safety out of LSU. Yeah, and he's all over the board in terms of his draft stock. You know, there was a time where he was round seven undrafted free agent. There was a time where I've seen him in some mock drafts round three, round four. I just feel like he's that tweener where he's a little bit too big to be a safety in terms of his weight. He's a little too small to be a linebacker. Uh, so the fact that he's kind of stuck in between those two roles, I could see him falling late into this draft. Buffalo's shown some interest. I know that Brandon Bean threw some cold water on the big Nikolai idea, but in round seven, if you can find someone that you think has a little bit of versatility uh, that can play a few different roles for you, you might as well roll the dice on them, see if you can develop them. Because at this point with Buffalo's roster, it's going to be hard for those late day three picks to find a job on the 53-man roster. Uh, so it's going to be about making that practice squad and kind of uh, developing their game as a rookie. Great mock draft. You could 
dive into it over on the website right now, Syracuse.com, NewYorkUpstate.com. Ryan uh, put a lot of work into that, and uh, it will be appreciated as we continue to, to go through all of these different scenarios as we kind of plot our way uh, towards, thurs- towards Thursday. I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, what they do at 30 is really going to, you know, be a fun way to set the stage and, and reset expectations for the rest of the draft for Bills fans. Because if you look at, you know, right now, you know, of course, Brandon Bean had that nice little nugget in his news conference. Like, you know, right now we don't have a fourth round pick. Maybe they move back at a fourth in this, in this draft at a, a, a higher pick in next year's draft. So many different options. It's, it's going to be fun to see how they address it. But I do, I really do think that they're, has been a really solid job, even with all of the low, um, you know, low impact signings. You know, a lot of these have been explained away as, you know, setting up this roster to be competitive again going into the draft. And so I think that that really opens things up. And I think that just that in and of itself, when you look through the 70, 70 ish players that are on the roster right now, it's really hard to poke holes in positions. I think that they're going to want to, you know, get another safety in here to maybe replace what they're going to lose in Dean Marlowe. But I, I know that they like Jaquan Johnson too. So even, you know, spots like that, there's, there's not these evident holes that need to be filled. And I think in that scenario, you can really go ahead and bring in uh, best player available. Yeah, without a doubt. And obviously this team taking the next 20 to one, it's going to be dependent on guys like Jaquan Johnson to fill in in those roles to finally get that opportunity and run with it Uh, for Cody Ford to stay healthy and show that he was the right guy for the guard spot Ed Oliver player. You mentioned to really step up his game. So that's another big step for the bills in terms of building off of what they did one year ago. It's not the new faces. It's not the rookies, the free agents. It's the players that are already in house taking that next step in their development. All right. That is going to do it for right now. I am going to be back here on Wednesday, unless some other news drops and we got something to talk about tomorrow. We'll be back on Wednesday with our, our weekly show and then keep it locked onto all of the channels, Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube. We'll be live after every Bill's draft pick to break it all down for you. We're excited to get this thing going for Ryan Talbot. I'm Matt Perino. We will see you very soon. Take care, everyone.